0: It's a Thursday evening, sometime in April or May. And in 30 minutes, you are going to be going to your first middle school dance. I would like for you to go in your mind with me there for a second. If you're a male here today, more than likely what's happening is your mom is trying to get you to wear a button-up shirt that you don't want to wear. She's trying to encourage you to tuck it in. And if she really gets her way, she's going to have you put this uncomfortable thing around your neck. Um, And you are fighting her on every step of the way. Now, if you're a female, it might be a little bit different of an experience. Maybe for you, you're a little bit more excited. Maybe for you, you have went out and you bought a nice dress. And you've done your hair in a way that's a little bit fancier than normal. And so because of that, you're actually a little bit more excited than what your male counterpart is, but at the same time, you're still a little bit nervous. As you hop in your mom's van to go to the dance, um, you're starting to replay in your mind, or think through, okay, how is this gonna go? This evening, my hope is if it works out best, what's going to happen is I'm going to show up and when I show up immediately, I'm going to see my friend group and I'm going to make a beeline, not having to make eye contact with anything, anybody else go straight to my friend group and be able to spend most of the two hours with them. And maybe just maybe if that one person asks me to dance, maybe I will consider Dancing with that one person, but I'm not sure and your hands are starting to get a little bit clammy your armpits a little bit sweaty It's starting to you're, the all of the nerves are starting to come out have you been there before and More than likely the next two hours of your evening will be some of the most awkward Memories that you may have it was a it might be a fun night but it comes with some awkward memories. Let's go ahead. Let's take that memory. As some of you are so mad that I brought those emotions back up. Let's go ahead and we are going to revisit it just to give you fair warning. But go ahead and let's bring, let's take that and let's just set it up here on the shelf. We'll come back to it. But let's just set it up here on the shelf and move forward with our text this morning. So we are going to be in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 1. We're continuing in our series in the Gospel of Luke. And today we are going to see Jesus um, encounter some religious leaders and some Pharisees. Um, And through this, uh, he's going to tell a couple stories. He actually tells three. We are going to pay attention to two of them this morning. So Luke chapter 15, verse 1. If you have your books, um, we will be on page 108 this morning. Let's go ahead and read what Luke has written for us this morning. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching him to listen, and the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining, this man, being Jesus, welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. Let's pause there. Jesus here is continuing his mission here on earth, his mission to proclaim hope And good news to the world but specifically here we are seeing that he is proclaiming hope and good news to those people who would not um, been valued very much in that society these were people who were thought less of and this is who Jesus is proclaiming the good news to first we see that he is eating and spending time with tax collectors Now, tax collectors in this day were not people that were respected much because they worked for the enemy. They worked for Rome, who was oppressing the Jewish people at the time. So not only did they work for the enemy, but they also collected money, and usually they would collect more than what they were supposed to in order to pad their pockets. So, if you were a Jewish person, you did not like the tax collectors because they were collecting money and more money than they should in order to make them rich and to give the money to the the oppressing government. Now, Jesus, he says here, he spent time and ate with them. So, some famous tax collectors in Scripture you have Zacchaeus, it was a tax collector, and also the apostle Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. And so not only did Jesus spend time with them, a tax collector was actually in his inner circle of 12. And so the religious leaders of the day had a real problem with that. Also, we see the word sinner, that he eats with sinners. Now the Greek word there for sinner means depraved, detestable, or a blatant sinner. And it's used a couple different times in our passage today. And this particular word, sinner, again, as I said, the one word that kind of stood out to me as I was studying this or phrase was the blatant sinner. So this isn't someone who just occasionally messes up, is trying to live a good life, but struggles with a particular sin that occasionally would make, um, would, would pop up here or there. This is someone who has chosen a life of sin. This is someone who has chosen to say, I am not going to follow What God has for me, I'm going to choose to sin and choose to live in a life of sin. And this is who Jesus is spending time with. And not only is he spending time with them, he's eating with them. And in that culture and in that time, if you shared a meal with someone, that meant not only did you accept them, but you were validating who they were. So Jesus is not only spending time with them, but he is validating who they are. And the religious leaders are saying, this is not okay. This breaks our Jewish custom. Most of the time, if you spent time with these people, you would be considered ceremonially unclean. And yet Jesus is constantly spending time with them and sharing meals with them. So the religious leaders are pointing out, you are following this man who is blatantly disobeying the law of Moses, which we hold so high. Let's take that and let's put that on the shelf next to the memory of our first middle school dance. And let's see how Jesus responds to the religious leaders. So let's continue in verse 3. So he, Jesus, told him this parable. What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the ninety-nine in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? When he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. Or a woman who has ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my silver coin that I lost. I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. So, how does Jesus respond? Jesus responds in the same way that he usually does. He tells a couple stories. Why does Jesus tell stories? For Jesus, again, they call them parables. The reason he told stories is because a lot of the time, most of the time, Jesus didn't want to just give a command or a directive. He didn't want to just give them black and white answers. He wanted them to live in the gray a little bit. And so when you tell a story, what happens when you tell a story is you invite the listener in to decide for themselves, where is the truth in this? Instead of just saying, this is what you're supposed to do, this is what you're not supposed to do, let's invite in. Let's tell a story. And so Jesus does this, and he does this a lot with his teachings. He wants to invite the listener in for them to decide how they would respond. Now, for today... There are three things I want us to pay attention to and notice in this story. First is this. I want to notice and pay attention to the character's behavior. So we're going to take a little bit of time and talk about how the characters in the story behave. Secondly, I want to talk about the role of celebrations and then pay attention to how they celebrated. And finally, third, the role of repentance. So for the rest of our time together, those are the kind of buckets we're going to look at. First of all, this, the character's behavior. So for me, growing up, I've heard these stories before. I grew up in the church. And so for me, I'd heard these stories. But for me, and again, this is not on those who are teaching it. I, probably it was me who was hearing it. But I always heard these stories that the shepherd that left the 99 to go after the one was a radical teaching. That, this was a, that Jesus was radical, that he would ignore the greater population, and that he would just go after this one lost sheep. But the reality is, if you read what Jesus says here, the way he poses it is this. Which one of you would not have you lost one sheep, leave the 99 to go after the one? What Jesus is saying here is that the behavior from the shepherd is a normative behavior. This is how any shepherd would have acted, and this is how he would have responded had he lost one sheep. It wasn't radical. It was what everyone would have done. Because, again, if you look at the context, what's going on here is more than likely, if you were a shepherd in this time, you did not own the sheep. You worked for someone who owned the sheep. You were just the caretaker. And if you lost one of those sheep, more than likely you would lose your job. So in order to do and to be a good employee, you would go after the one and risk the 99 in the open field, who normally sheep do stay together, but you're going to risk that in order to go after the one, because if you lose 99 or you lose one, you're going to lose your job anyways. So you're going to go and look for that one. So the way the shepherd behaves here is normative behavior. He's just being a good employee. Daniel talked about this a couple weeks ago, that when we set our priorities, our priorities should be God first Family and friends, second. And our work, third. Work and the things that we do, we should do well and do to the best of our ability. And that is exactly what the shepherd is doing here. He is doing a good job and the proper thing that he would do if he was in this situation. Now the woman, let's take a look at her behavior. So the woman has 10 silver coins and silver coins, what that also, that that Greek word there, what they're talking about is called a denarii. And that denarii is one day's wage. So what she has is she has 10 days wages. And more than likely for someone in that culture to have 10 days wage, if she had 10 coins, this is more than likely her savings. This might be her retirement accounts or her family dowry, something that has been passed down, her inheritance that's been passed down. And we read in this story that that there's no mention of a husband. So again, in this time and in this culture, for women to work to earn money was very difficult. And so more than likely, this is the money that she was going to have to survive on. And she loses a tenth of it. So let's bring that into our day and time. So let's say right now, all of a sudden, your phone buzzes in your pocket. You pick up your phone and you look, your identity has been stolen, and a 10th of your savings or a 10th of your retirement is now gone. How are you going to respond? More than likely, you're gonna get up, ignore what I'm saying, walk outside, make sure that you get this taken care of, and if it takes you the rest of the day to make sure that you get this figured out and you get those finances back in your account, you are gonna spend the time and effort To make sure that you still have that money. And that's exactly what this woman is doing. This is normative behavior. This is normative behavior that Jesus is pointing out. So I say that to say, when we look at how the characters behave in the story, we shouldn't be shocked about their behavior. But what we should be shocked about or what we should pay attention to is point number two. Let's pay attention to the celebrations. Let's pay attention to the celebrations. In both stories, we see when they find what they are looking for, they have the same response. They ask their friends and their neighbors to come and rejoice with them. They want to celebrate in community with their neighbors and their friends. And Jesus then goes on to say, not only come celebrate me, then he gives us a little snapshot of what heaven is like. And he says, in the same way, in heaven, when someone is found or repents, there is a celebration in heaven with joy and with God's angels when one person repents. Now, I think it's important for us to realize here, as followers of Jesus, if you have committed your life to following Jesus, if you haven't and you're exploring what following Jesus looks like, here's something that is part of our mission statement as followers of Jesus. Our job is to help bring heaven here on earth. Now, this is not fully going to happen until Christ returns. Daniel talked about that a little bit. But our job is to bring little pockets. And when we can, to demonstrate for the world what heaven is like. This is when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven here on earth. He does this. He, so earlier in Matthew's gospel, the disciples asked, teach us how to pray. And Jesus responds with, here is a prayer, to, pl- here is a prayer to, pl- to pray. And one of the lines in that is this. Your will be done, not my will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so for us, when Jesus gives us a little snapshot of what the kingdom of heaven or what heaven is like, it's something that we should pay attention to. And one of the things that we see here is that in heaven, they throw a good party. They like to celebrate. And specifically, when someone returns to God, there is joy and celebration in heaven. So, let's go ahead and take that middle school memory back off the shelf. The awkwardness of that for some of us. As I was preparing this week, sometimes I thought to myself, there are times that maybe our celebrations as Christians sometimes feel more like an awkward middle school dance. We don't do it well. We're very serious sometimes. It's a little bit awkward. And I've started comparing that thinking to a Broadway musical. So for me, my favorite musical is Newsies. right? And you think about, if you've seen that or any other musical that you enjoy... In those celebration times, so for me, I went to Seize the Day, which is a, one of those numbers, and how the, the, the actors and those who are performing are dancing in, uni, in unison together. They're singing, they're joyful. I even saw this yesterday. I went to my first dance competition down in Zionsville. That was something to experience. But one of the things that I appreciated about that is the joy and the choreography and the music that was playing. There was part of me at times and would have been extremely embarrassing for my family had I gotten up and danced, but I wanted to participate in what they were doing because they looked like they were having so much fun doing it. And I felt the same way when I went to a good musical, that I want to participate in that because the joy and the celebration is so tangible that I want to be a part of that. And so for us, The invitation is, can we throw a party? Can we celebrate? Can we become professional celebrators in a way that others around us want to join in and celebrate with us? Now, I also know that a lot of you know me. And probably what is circling in the back of your mind right now is, Drew, I hear what you're saying, but I know your life And this is not something that you are good at. Honestly, when I celebrate with you, it does feel more like an awkward middle school dance. And you're not wrong. That was one of the most convicting things for me about this message and putting it together. Is that I realized in my discipleship to Jesus, one of the areas that I need to grow in is I need to do a better job of celebrating. I need to do a better job of celebrating. Lisa, my wife, was even telling me that last night. Drew, you do not do a good job of this. And it's not just to celebrate for ourselves to have a good time. But it's it's to, one, show the world what the kingdom of God is like. And they celebrate. And they are joyful. So for me, again, as I said, celebrating can be difficult. So now let's go ahead and take this idea of Jesus eating with sinners off the shelf. And what we see here with Jesus and what he's demonstrating for us is if you are like me and you struggle a little bit with celebration, one of the best ways that God has given us in order to celebrate is with food, is with food. Food is a great way to celebrate. Jesus celebrated often with food to the point where the religious leaders and the Pharisees throughout the Gospels would say that he was a glutton or a drunkard, because he was hanging out at these parties and eating a lot. So they were more mistaking him for that than, he, than they were someone who didn't celebrate. And it was always around the table. And so for us, if you are like me and you, and you struggle to celebrate, a good place to start is around the table with a good meal. One of my good friends, his name is Matt. Matt is a great Person to celebrate with. I love spending time with Matt because Matt brings out the celebratory uh, part that I really struggle with. And the thing with Matt is, and especially, is he loves to celebrate with food. And so when we get together with Matt and his family, one of the things he loves is going to the grocery store and getting the food, but then not only that, he wants you to come over while he's preparing the food because the preparation part is also a joyful experience. And so he loves cooking in there and and having conversation and laughing and like, you know, like the deep belly laughs that you have the opportunity to. He loves to do that as he's preparing the meal. And then after the the meal is prepared to sit down together and to share a meal. And man, when he sits down, that boy can eat. (laughs) And he celebrates with food. But the other thing that I really appreciate about him is not only does he want to celebrate in the preparation of the meal, not only does he want to celebrate God's goodness around the table, but he wants the person that he is sharing the meal with to be seen. And the way that he does that, Matt is always very good that when he prepares a meal and invites us over, there is always something on the table that he knows that me and my family are going to enjoy. And he finds joy and pleasure knowing that he has prepared something that we are going to enjoy. An example of this, one of the things he will do often is when we have meals together, he will make good ranch. Not in the bottle, he'll do a homemade ranch mix and shake it up and my daughter calls it good ranch because he knows that that is gonna make my daughter happy to have good ranch and not just eat ranch out of the bottle. So things like that, just the attention to detail, not only is it a joyous celebration, but it's a joyous celebration and in that I know that he knows us, that he loves us, and that he is specifically preparing this meal with us in mind. What a great way to celebrate. We celebrate a lot with meals. We think about weddings. We think about graduation parties. We think about Super Bowls. Meals are a great way to celebrate and important for us to do. But that brings us to my third point and something that I think we need to pay attention to. We need to recognize the role of repentance. We need to recognize the role of repentance. And in this, these two stories, we see that repentance is key. Throwing a good party, having some good food, having a good laugh is good for our soul. It's good for us to be able to do that. And usually when we leave those experiences, we feel better. But what Jesus is pointing out here is, yes, in heaven, they throw good celebrations. They, they, there is joy, but joy is all around someone who, is, who has repented. That word in the Greek for repentance means to change your mind or to change the way you are thinking, change your way of thinking. So for us today, when we think about this, the world that we live in is telling us to think a certain way. So whether you are in elementary school, whether you are in middle school, whether you are in high school, whether you are in college, whether you are someone who has a young family, whether you are an empty nester, whether you are now retired, no matter where you sit in your season of life, the world is telling you, you need to think this way. And there's a battlefield going on in our mind, in our soul, in order to think in the way of Jesus. Repentance. Jesus is talking primarily here to a group of people who do not think they need to repent. He's talking to the Pharisees. And to the Pharisees, in their mind, they're doing everything Well. They don't need to repent. They are holier than most. And so because of that, they need to point out the fact that this man is spending time with people of questionable character. And what Jesus is pointing out here is this. He is shining a light on the fact that God cares more about one that comes to the realization that they need to repent than 99, or a group of people who think that they are comfortable and content living a good moral life. Let me say that one more time. Jesus is shining a light here that in heaven God is more concerned and celebrates more over one person that realizes that they need to rethink how they are living their life and repent and turn away from that way of living or thinking than a group of people who think, you know what, we're good, I'm content with just living a good moral life. This is not something that the Pharisees liked much. And we see Jesus even more hammer down on this more in the story that follows this, which is the prodigal son where he tells a story of the son who went on his own way to do the way of the world and realized when he had hit rock bottom that it was better for him to go back to his father's house and work as a servant or a slave than to live in his own way. So he turns around and goes home, and how does the father respond? The father throws a party and tells him that he loves him and celebrates the fact that his son has come home. Who do you identify more with today? When you hear these stories, if you give an honest assessment, do you hear this and identify more with the religious leaders and the scribes where you're sitting here thinking, you know what? I live a good moral life. I don't have a lot to repent from. I'm very comfortable and content. Maybe today you identify more with the tax collector and the center. That you recognize, yeah, there's a lot of sin in my life. That I have blatantly disobeyed and walked away from God. Regardless, the playing field is equal. The playing field is equal. One thing I want to pause and point out here is this. If, as we grow and mature in our discipleship to Jesus... If you've been following Jesus for a while, or even if it's just been a little bit, but you're growing and maturing, as you do that, some of the major outward sins become a little bit easier to navigate. So if you've been following Jesus for a little bit of time, maybe now uh, certain sins like drunkenness, certain sins like adultery, or certain sins like stealing, some of these big major things. Yeah, you don't struggle with those anymore. That's not as difficult to deal with. You've got a good handle on that. Praise God. But as we continue to mature and grow, what becomes a little bit more difficult for us are the unseen sins. The sins that not everybody else gets to recognize. Sins like pride. Jealousy. What goes on up here in your thought life. Those are the sins as you mature in your faith that are still going to be present. And as I said, we are on equal playing ground here. That our need, whether you are someone who's been following Jesus for a long time, or whether you are someone who is just exploring what that looks like, we are all in need of God's forgiveness and all in need for us to repent and to change the way that we're thinking. And that is what Jesus is trying to point out here in these stories. He's wanting the religious leaders. That's what they were missing. They did not understand their need for forgiveness. Repentance is key to following Jesus. And repentance is what allows us to experience heaven here on earth through celebration. So in summary this morning, Jesus is showing us by the way that he lived and by telling both of these stories that he has invited us to live differently. We have the opportunity to experience celebrations that they experience in heaven. But it's by paying attention to our need for his forgiveness, our willingness to repent and our willingness to celebrate that with joy. So that brings us to our daily training for today. Our daily training is this, celebrate this week with a meal. More than likely, all of us are gonna eat about 21 meals this week. Some a little bit more, some a little bit less, But for most of us, we are going to eat 21 meals. And what I am encouraging you to do, encouraging us to do, is to find one meal this week to celebrate with, to be intentional with. So, a couple ideas. Maybe for you, there is a family or a person that comes to your mind right now that you're thinking, I've been meaning to have them over for dinner. I've been meaning to share a meal with them. I'm going to find time in my schedule this week to invite them over or to invite them out to share a meal together. Maybe for you, it's been a crazy season in your family. And so for you, just to have a meal at home around the table and finding something to celebrate is something worth celebrating. And so for you, it's clearing your calendar for an evening and having a family meal together. Maybe for you, it's you and your roommates. Again, you've had a busy semester, and because of that semester, you guys don't ever see each other, and if you eat a meal together, it's sitting on the couch watching TV, eating something gross. Eat something good this week. Turn off the TV and celebrate a meal together. I would also encourage you, if there's something that you need to repent from, what would it look like to allow that to be the center point of why you're celebrating around the table. And maybe even today, maybe we don't need to wait for a meal later this week. Maybe there is something for you today that you need to repent of right now. Following the next couple songs, again, we will have people up here ready to pray. And if there's something that you need to repent of, if there's something you need to repent from and to start stepping into the way that God has designed us to live, I encourage you, come up. If you came with a friend, bring them with you. And let us pray together. Let's repent from that and let's celebrate in order to experience heaven here on earth. Let's pray right now. Jesus, we love you. And I pray right now for as your spirit moves, as your spirit is moving right now, Father, if there's anything that is stirring in the room today, Lord, I pray that for that stirring that people would not ignore that, but that they would be faithful to respond to you. Father, thank you for giving us an example of what heaven is like, Lord, and we wanna throw parties and we wanna throw celebrations, Lord, that makes the world wanna come and join in on what we are participating in. So, Father, help us to grow in that. Father, for those people who this is a natural gift for, Lord, I pray that they are able to lean into that gift more, that we're able to invite the world in to celebrate like we, like you have intended for us to celebrate, Lord. But at the same time, we want to make sure that we are celebrating for the right reasons, Lord, for people who have turned away from the world and how how it tells us to think and instead saying, no, I'm going to deny that. I'm going to live the way that you have called us to live. Father, that is our hope and that is our prayer, Lord. And as we continue to sing, I pray that your spirit moves in this place, Lord, and that today would be a day of repentance and joy and celebration. That is our hope and that is our prayer. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.